The Hard Shoulder with Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, as I've been telling you since four o'clock, we're here in the Intercontinental Hotel in Ballsbridge with an outside broadcast because we are part of the News Talk annual Christmas lunch to raise uh, charitable funds, the start of Christmas season at corporate level on behalf of Spinal Injuries Ireland. But it is business as usual as we have assembled our final furlough team as we do for the last hour of the last programme of the week. It's a great pleasure to welcome our dear friends Bill Hughes, Mind the Gap Productions who I am told was in his native Athai this week and they must have been hard up. They, 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 they unveiled a plaque to you. Uh, it transpired they're doing this thing called Made of a Thigh. People from the town who have gone off and made a splash somewhere in the music business uh, or music. And because I was part of MTUSA and because I was part of the Irish Tenors and Boyzone and all that, so they put it up. But also because over the years I had been involved in programmes about disability. So they had a beautiful choir to sign language, the, the, the in-sign they performed, I Will Survive, which is my favourite song. And I got Panty Bliss to come and unveil the plaque. And uh, and Dizzy Dying for it, who's another drag <laughs> artist. Yeah, came as well. Shocking. And, and we were joined by Larry Mullen and uh, his, his marvellous family Anne and my okay. family. Yeah. All right. Right. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Elliott, of course, the laughter lounge these days? Not in the laughter lounge these days. This, this is a very fun time to be doing comedy because the next two weeks, it's every little comedy club in Dublin has their Christmas party. Oh. Which means that everybody comes in and does five minutes, usually just slagging each other. It's not much fun for the audience, but it's so great fun. So you move around. Absolutely. So All I'll right. be in the Stag's Head this week and in Whelan's next week. You'll see me around. Great. And it's a great pleasure to welcome back. The last time we spoke were when we were down for the Rosa Tralee. 2014 Rosa Tralee, Maria Walsh. Maria, I am, uh, you're going to something tonight. Uh, I am. I'm heading to Leitrim, Baltimore Library, uh, where we are honouring um, the year of uh, women celebrating the 100 years of voting. Um, Mary Reynolds, uh, the formidable legacy uh, that she was in, in Leitrim, um, her granddaughter, Councillor Mary McKiernan, had set together a library just showcasing her story, her legacy piece, and like the hard work she had in making sure women were... Um, and a little birdie tells me that you may be following in my former footsteps. What is possessing <laughs> you? Are you clinically <laughs> insane? Do you you know might be th- going into politics. I was like, who do I most want to be about when I grow <laughs> up? Uh, but I am. I'm looking... I'm still to grow up, but anyway, <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm looking into... I'm looking into um, yeah, just seeing where I can add my, my voice in, okay. in terms of Well, it's Mayo a long, hard Connacht. road. I wish you well with it. Okay, let's get to our first topic, which, of course, was the hiatus of the week. This was Ballybrack from the Dead. Uh, we had this Spanish guy uh, who uh, wasn't dead, but, boy, did Ballybrack celebrate his death. Black armbands, uh, all to get a, a, a moment's silence, all to get a match against Arklo, uh, called off. Uh, we actually, Jonathan Healy had uh, Fernando uh, La Fuente, uh, who was supposed to have died of traffic accident, alive and well on on the station during the week. So it got us talking about telling lies, why we do it, do we do it, and what are the lessons to be learned, Maria? 
thanks for starting with me. Uh, um, but you know what, this, I, we were just saying, off, this is the most Irish thing I've ever heard. It, 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 it's quite embarrassing for the club. Now, I remember I played football in uh, Philadelphia for a couple of years when I was living there. And there was the odd like, player who couldn't be there, but maybe you put it under a different name, but a player went on. But never before have we... You know, in the world of sporting, but we we had Professor Brendan uh, Kelly on from TCD and said, "Look, we all lie." Now I was saying, "Are that you my, asking my, me my white no, lies?" No, no, well, but what's the worst lie you've ever told? Um, that I want to be like Ivan Yates when I grow up. Okay. Uh, no, uh, but there are certain white lies. See, sometimes it's kind to lie. It is. It is. Um, um, but I wouldn't be. I, I, I would try not to be a big liar. I mean, this is extreme. Like the kid was alive and well in Galway. Was it a lie or was it a prank? No, I oh, think it was definitely. a lie. Well, no, I know that it was a lie, but like they, they didn't have enough players to, to make the match. So they were going to have to cancel the match regardless of whether or not this guy was dead or alive. Which is he might forfeit the three points. That's the, uh, yeah, you see. For the yeah. love yeah. Of, the, of the game. Yeah. No, no, there is Okay, no, this is a lie. Like Sorry, I missed that yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but the, 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 the point about it is, Jim, uh, my father said, lies have legs. If you tell one, you've got to tell others to cover it up. And Absolutely. the other thing is... If you, like me, find yourself in the high court, it's very important that you don't need a memory because, you know, you don't know what lies you, you, you might have, have told. To hide. You, exactly. You just uh, could just say, unvarged, I remember it just like this mm. and stick to your story. Uh, do you ever find yourself having to tell a few white ones? Of course. I mean, it's, it's part of being a social animal is telling people, no, 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 you didn't say anything embarrassing last night. I'm sure nobody noticed. It looks great on you. Any of those kind of things. Like, that's just part of being alive. Uh, I do like that we're, you know, this is a lighthearted uh, uh, segment at the end of the day on the radio. I was really hoping one of you was going to come out with an absolutely horrible lie, like in the middle of a lighthearted segment. Like, Bill, what's the, what's the biggest lie you've ever told? And instead of being like, I called in sick to work, he's like, and I told me? that woman yes. the baby was mine. <laughs> was 18 years ago today. I, I have told course lots of lies but I work in television it's, <laughs> it's, it's the point of television is to just cover everything in a veneer of truth but it's really a lot of lies and uh, lies about you know sometimes to get out of social engagements where you've been invited to something but you know by somebody who you really like and say for example they're married to or sleeping with somebody that you're not crazy about and so you don't really want to spend an evening with them so you do find an elaborate tissue yeah. of lies you won't believe the corporate yeah. event that I've committed to last April mm, exactly. and I just can't do exactly. that yeah I, I would tell that type of lie and yeah and I'd have no difficulty with it and yeah. and also you and I are professionals yeah this, you know. and I think once or twi twice I've used the the lie oh I've never done that before have you ever <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever um lied to the extent that you told someone you know maybe uh, in the context of television that was a fantastic performance and you turn around to your uh, researcher and say oh my god that was desperate loads of times yeah. that's the nature of it yeah you just there's no point at the time in so saying so why do you pick on Brendan O'Connor oh <laughs> <laughs> Brendan that's is always <laughs> Brendan is always brilliant and you never that. lie and <laughs> I never lie Brendan is always brilliant okay alright well do text us 53106 uh, is it ever justifiable to lie 
and I'm sure these people in Ballybrack are sorry they ventured into that territory. Now, an interesting story, the National uh, Famine Commemoration Bill, a, a, a piece of legislation is being promulgated to say that we would celebrate in the third weekend of May, Saturday and particularly the Sunday, the uh, famine. Do you think this is a good idea, Jim, insofar as that... I, I don't know how America compares in terms of its iconic days and battles and Independence Day that they want to celebrate. We, we have Paddy's Day. Uh, and is that about it, really? Paddy's Day, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think it's important to commemorate tragedies. I think it's important to, to, for people to remember about it. I mean, I think they call 9-11 now Patriots Day in the U.S., which to me, I don't really know if I'm crazy about that branding, but I do think it's important to remember the tragedy that happened. And I equally think, I'm actually, when I read this story, I was surprised that there wasn't already a famine memorial day. I mean, you talk about an, an, an event that shattered the fabric of, of Irish society, spread half of you across the world, and killed another 30. And like, this is, these are the kinds of things that deserve commemoration, yeah, I but think. Well, well, first of all, it was kind of like an era and a circumstance. Mm, true, it wasn't a single the, day. With, with the right? Brits and, yeah. and, and, and all of that. But, like, what's the point? I mean, like, I know it's a great occasion. Oh, Michael D will be there and you'll have mm -hmm. the laurel wreath and you'll have a few ministers in black and so on. But really, you, you know... Nobody talk about it ever I, again? I think in a year like this, when a magnificent film has come out, like Black 47, mm -hmm. and Black 47 brings everything back into sharp focus and reminds you exactly... Just tell us again, because John uh, Kelleher has been plugging it. His son or something's involved in it. So involved I've been plugging it on no, his but, back. But what is Black just 47? A, a 1847 is the worst year of the famine. So uh, rather than give a history lesson now, which I'm not really geared up to do, I would th uh, recommend that people over the Christmas, for a sobering moment, if they can get it out on DVD or stream it on it Netflix It is a or drama whatever, rather than a it's, doc. It's a, it's a kind of it's hybrid. A it's a hybrid. I've seen it. I did. I got in um, Ballinal Lions Club in, in County Mayo. I got the rights just to showcase it on a night to celebrate our, our, our fabric, uh, our fabric see, of the country. And it was, it was... Don't, uh, over Christmas, you know, if you're planning on a night in and it's rainy and there's, it's, it's a hard-hitting film. I came away, I was mind-blown at just the extent our, our citizens went through. Um, and then, you know, I always acknowledge in New York, down in Wall Street area, mm. um, they have an Irish famine uh, mm -hmm. celebration um, every year, as, as does Philadelphia. So Happen I think if they're doing it... Been built well, recently yeah. uh, in the UK, it came as a complete surprise to the British viewing public when they were watching an episode of Victoria and the famine came up as a subject in the drama, Victoria, and people were horrified that the British had behaved in that way during the famine. I've always been kind of detached from the famine. It was always something that I thought, okay, there, it's back in history. But recently, I went to the census of 1911 because I wanted to check on my dad. And my dad had been born in uh, 1910, and so he was one. But it was then that I discovered that when he was born, his father was 65, and his father had been born in the famine. So my grandfather, not my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather, my actual grandfather was wow. born during the famine. So I'm now feeling a direct connection with the famine that I want to do well, something about. I think you've actually put your finger on it. A la the Civil War, 1916, the War of Independence, and the First Doll, people can relate to some sort of relative you know, that was there 100 years ago. 
I'm feeling that because it goes back to the 1840s, that people don't have that connection, and that's the big reason why there isn't the kind of genealogical link. And sadly, I suppose so many died didn't don't have forebears. Well, yeah, but you know, when I'm looking at my own grandfather, who then passed away in 1912 when my father was only two years of age, his his father died at 67, but had been born in the famine. So there was no possibility that I was ever going to have any relationship with my grandfather. But now that I know my grandfather and the famine are the same, one and the same thing. I want to know more. And so I've started looking for people. I've put posts up on Facebook. I'm looking for other people who have the same connection so that we can start it together. Okay, the other thing that I feel about this is instead of a remembrance Mm -hmm. day, Maria, Mm -hmm. what about building a national centre, interpretive centre, shrine to this so that you can actually go there, you can see videos and all this kind of thing. In other words, that you can relive the actuality of it. I can hear Minister Ring saying the numbers were so high coming from Mayo. That idea, Mr. Yates, should belong in Mayo. I I, I agree. I think it'd be perfect. I think... um, it not only uh, educates those living here, it also educates the, the international tourism com- that comes in. And Absolutely. I do, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Isn't that what yeah. Strokestown House is, is in Roscommon? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, oh. it's, it's uh, uh, a testament to the famine and yeah. uh, they have a lot of commemorative stuff there. But I, I do think we do need a big national, like on in Washington DC, you can go and see the Vietnam, the Vietnam War Memorial Wall. The brilliant oh, that, that is incredibly moving. Mm. But we do need something here. They the Holocaust here. one in Berlin. Yeah, and it needs to be big, and it needs to be in your face, and it's not just the figures down on the quayside getting on board a boat uh, down at the Irish Financial Services Centre. Well, the Genie Johnson is a great success in Dublin. But it's a place to to go to rather than a day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be something big, and it needs to be something, a destination that people go to immerse and be there and get the real feel of what happened. Welcome back to the final furlong uh, with my guests today, Jim Elliott, Maria Walsh and Bill Hughes. Well, one of the uh, interesting developments during the week was it transpires that Dr. Kira Kelly of Lunchtime Like, my esteemed colleague here on News Talk, swears like a sailor. And uh, it got her talking and people reacting to it as to what is acceptable. The do's and don'ts of swearing beyond BAI regulations of what uh, any of us can say. But, you know, in conversation. And I made the point, Maria, that sometimes when I'm making a speech, if if I really need to uh, grab their attention and give them a bolt of electricity, I would drop the F-bomb, you know, to describe something or whatever. So... The F word uh, and the C word are difficult. All the B words, bloody, bollocks, bastard, I find, you know, okay. Uh, Then the kind of, um, shall we say, excretion words, SH, uh, (laughs) and the urine (laughs) taking the... I would have loved to have been in this chat so, so, when your so, team was so, discussing so, so, this. I'm picturing uh, a whiteboard well, and where, arrows and circles. Where, where would you draw the line in now, black I, company? I have to acknowledge, I because I, I heard uh, Dr. Kelly, I am just like her. I swear in jest, in, in the crack moment, quite a bit. Um, like I remember I was about to go on stage in the Rose Tree and a member of the festival team came up going, do not swear 
on national television. I was like, of course I'm not going to beep and swear on national television. And I came out, and I remember walking off, off stage then after talking to Dahi and asking the floor manager, like, did I, did I swear it at any point in that moment? And he goes, uh, I don't think you did. And I was like, well, thanks, need to beep, beep, beep. <laughs> yeah. um, but now, I do not like the word see you next Tuesday. That, to me, is... Yeah. I, I, I can count on one hand how many times I've used it in my life. Um, yeah. And... And I actually was thinking about this because I don't like the word in the LGBTQ I word. I don't like the word uh, the F word or the queer word, which a lot of LGBTQIs well, actually, that's not actually talk a about. Swear word. But it's still really derogatory. Mm. Well, that, that is abusive. I mean, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like you know, the way you'd say uh, use it as an adjective or mm. you know, ing and, and so on. Mm. Uh, Jim, d- d- using comedy because a lot of. Uh, people use a, a lot, lot of bl- blue and and it kind of it, it gets a, get a, a laugh in its it own get, right. It gets a la- it get, mm, I I'm not going to agree with you there. And the, it gets a laugh in its own right thing because I do swear on stage. It's part of how I express myself, and I try to be as natural as possible when I am on stage. And I have had people say, you know, when you're swearing, when you've got that f word in the middle of that punchline, that's cheating. And I'm saying, look, the punchline is funny. It's effing funny. That it's not the fact that there's a swear word in there that's getting a laugh. If you think you can go on stage and just go mf or and get a laugh, like, go ahead and try. You still need to write jokes. But I will say, too, that I was not at all surprised to hear that Kira Kelly swears because Irish people have a casual uh, relationship with swear words unlike any other Sweet. English-speaking nation I've ever been to. You guys like the F word so much, you invented like a sugar-free version of it. In feck. I don't know if you yes. can say that on the radio, but you, know, you, you can, can say no, that in church. There's lots of... Uh, you I know, can't believe and you, you guys did that. Shite, That's uh, you know, amazing. And, you just and, took an E. And effing and fecking and yeah. are, are, are ways around it. Yeah, which is incredible to me. But we say it with the Irish slant, so oh, we, yeah. we're, uh, we're welcome to We're only the messing. <laughs> you guys have that only messing but parachute. Actually, you but can is there a code for stand-ups in terms of do's and don'ts, or is there no holds barred? It's no holds barred. Now, here's the thing. with If you're going to use a really, really offensive term, uh, like I've never said the N word on stage or in life, and I don't think I could, um, or I don't think I. It, it's it's like it's like cliff diving, right? If you're gonna use the C word in a joke, if you're gonna use it as the punchline, you better be a damn good comic because that's an 80 meter cliff, and it, you, the the potential for failure for just to, you to go splat on the water is very high. If you're gonna use the S word, if you're gonna say shite or feck, that's a one meter diving board. You can't mess mm. up too bad. So if you want to go there as a comic, you better have the chops. Okay. Now, the, the, we're, we're like, because you would also be producing and stuff would have to go to air. Yeah. First of all, in your private life, are, are you like a sailor? Uh, like a sailor. Absolutely oh, no, like a sailor. Like I use them all. I use every one of them. Would and I, I even I'm make some up. disappointed. No, because when I was a teenager, I remember watching the Late Late Show one night and Gay Byrne was doing this thing about language and he had this great etymologist on who was talking about... A great the ir- a, An etymologist, a person who studies words. Insects. I left school <laughs> at 16. Okay, that's okay. Those insects, yeah. Ent- entomologist. <laughs> entomologist. Have I said the wrong word? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, he said that the Irish are so creative that they know even how to sow a swear into another word. And Gay said, and what do you mean? And this always stuck with me. He said, she said, don't mind her. She's very senti-fucking mental. <laughs> and to put the, the, that in the middle of the word, and I, I thought it. that's the most colourful. So from then on, I swear. I swear all the time. And I'm terrible at swearing. In anger? Uh, in anger and sometimes in humour. And it, do you have a code of what's broadcastable in terms well, of if lords and ladles and someone spills the soup and someone says, for Allah, f- 
Fucking hell, what did you do that The for? great thing about Lords and Ladles is it's so heavily post-produced, you have time. It's with Cutting Edge where it's live, yeah. but it's post-Watershed. The odd fuck doesn't matter. If, if people want to say fuck and, and It is reflective of normal yeah. life. Yeah, and it is. And people do, it's sewn into the garment of how we all speak. And is anything a bridge too far? Oh, see. C oh, yeah. word okay. and N word. You I'm just yeah. can't. I'm looking at your team over there thinking, how are we going to form this content right now? Because it's like beep, 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 beep. I remember beep. when I first moved here in 2003, my little brother was in college and he came over in a spring break to spend a week with me. And we went out to dinner with a bunch of guys that I worked with who were at least 10 years older than us. So it was like adults. So I felt like a kid there and my little brother felt like definitely like a kid there. It was a fancy dinner and it was nice. And I asked him afterwards, I was like, how was that? Did you have fun? And he said, I have never heard that many F bombs at a dinner table in my entire life. These were guys wearing ties and stuff I, I think with wasn't drink you that. probably do more yeah but yeah. my favorite one to, to use would down. be gobshite yeah. Yeah. I, I just love why gobshite why is bloody I, I on, the, word, on the list yeah. you said that the list of three B's bloody bastard and bollocks bloody is not bloody are mm. you kidding it depends me? on what you follow out with it though yeah, yeah. but then yeah. The, that bloody means the bloody itself is no but in the UK in the UK <laughs> bloody bollocks is, is a great is, word in the UK bloody is a bad one it is alright Welcome back to the final section of our final furlong. Today coming you from Ballsbridge, uh, where we're at the annual Christmas lunch, sponsored by News Talk in aid of Spinal Injuries Ireland. My final furlong panellists are Jim Elliott, Maria Walsh and Bill Hughes. And we want to talk about the Competition and Consumer Protection Watchdog has opened a formal investigation into the Restaurants Association of Ireland. Now, the law says, under competition law, a trade association must not attempt to coordinate the conduct of its members, for example, by advising or recommending, suggesting the terms and conditions under which a service should be provided or the price that should be charged. The issue in question is that last January, so prevalent was the issue of groups and individuals making multiple bookings for four different restaurants on a Saturday night and then just not showing up, not apologising and therefore people say, oh no, we're fully booked, empty tables, loss of income, so they decide to put a charge between 50 or 20 euro. What do you think, Jim? Is is it reasonable? Absolutely to? it's reasonable, especially this time of year when every restaurant's booked out and you get people making multiple bookings or just not turning up. I, I have absolutely no problem with restaurants taking a booking fee beforehand. I'm assuming the fee comes off the bill at the end. It's yeah. not, okay, okay. But so sorry, so it's, it's just no, a penalty it's, it's for no show. Right, exactly. All right, yeah. I got no problem with so that. So two fact, ways, either they, they, you say, Jim, I'm yeah. ringing up here, yeah. uh, uh, the Magpie restaurant, sure. and, and they get your details, mm -hmm. and if you don't show, then they, they charge it, it afterwards. Or they take it earlier or, or, and give or, it off or, the bill or, or something. Or, or it's a deposit. I got no problem with that whatsoever. And also, In I, America, I, do they do it? Uh, they do it at fancy enough restaurants, and they do it at busy enough times of year. Is it is it standard everywhere? Absolutely not. Um, but if, you, if you're a holiday restaurant and the week coming up to Christmas, you need that table. That's a high-value asset that you have, and you can't have people wasting time. what do you time. think is reasonable? 20, 50? Depends on how expensive the restaurant is. 20 bucks, I don't even think... maybe? I don't think 20 is enough for people to care about. I think people will still make bookings at three places for 20 euro ahead. I think at least 50. 100 is even reasonable for parties of four Would you ever make a multiple booking? No, I'm not that fancy, Ivan. I hope to someday have... It's mostly abracadabra, McDonald's, Burger King. You don't need reservations My kingdom for a Taco Bell in this country. Well, how about this? Would it go the other way? What if you made a reservation at McGarrity's Fish House because you really 
wanted to try the sea bass, yeah. and you get there, and they're out of the sea bass. Can you maybe get a discount there? Is there a way we can go about this both ways? Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. But Only yeah, an also American would think like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Capital uh, always wins, baby. <laughs> Maria, what's your take on this? Have you, uh, do, do you make reservations? Or? I do make reservations, but I would never do multiple. I remember mm. talking to Gary O'Hanlon, who I know is a, a good friend of me's talk, and we were chatting on the restaurant um, a couple of years back, and I was saying, what's the biggest issue? And it is no-shows. Mm. And now, particularly when you talk rural Ireland, now in Dublin, the foot traffic is obviously very different, Cork, Galway. You could have walk-ins. Mm. Yeah, but like, I mean, if, if we had a restaurant in my small community of Shrew, and they were... De at Christmas time and a table of six or a table of ten didn't show like that's an awful lot of revenue for a, a small business um, and I think it and I actually I, I agree with you Jim like, I think it should be more than 20 yeah. I think um, if you're being serious about a table then show up I mean I know in the States hmm. if you didn't show up after 15 minutes your table is lost gone. and yep. if someone said could I have your card details would you give them yeah, I would. I mean, if you look at um, beauty salons, like uh, facial places or mm -hmm. like a clothing store, they hold, if anything, they might hold your clothes for 24 hours if you had to come back. Um, but no more normally they take a deposit or your credit card details. So if you don't show, then then they obviously don't charge, but they're not going to hold something um, when do you if think there's it's revenue. Reasonable within which I'm like, obviously force majeure, something happens, you can't go out for the night, child is sick or something like that. Um, what, what do you think is a reasonable time period within which... I think within which is fair, isn't fair oh, I would even say four or five hours is fair, no? I mean, four or five, if it's... You if you're in If you're in a high foot trafficked area, I think four or five, because you can turn that a lot mm. faster. But if you are in... Um, like in, in a rural setting, like four or five hours is, is just not enough time. But when we're talking about multiple booking tables in, in particular, listen, I think it's so ignorant of people to say, well, I don't know if I want sushi or I don't know if I have a fancy steak yeah, or, or fit. Like that's ignorant. If I had a friend that who did that, I'd yell at him. Yeah, I, I deliberately kept uh, <laughs> you till last bill because your table for 14, uh, the Marion, Patrick Giebel's chapter four, Lecrevan are legends. Should I be thrilled that I didn't in, get included no, in that in list this town, In this town. In this town. So this applies to you. Yes, it does apply to me. And I think uh, it does apply to me in the sense that I would never dream of doing that because I know how hard well, restaurateurs work. The lying segment work. is over, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know how hard restaurateurs work and I know how hard, and I know how much the staff depend on the tips and I know everybody is there doing it. My husband works in, in the food business and so I, I know what this means to people. But I remember uh, my mother running the dress shop in a thigh came up with a great way to get around people who mess with you in that kind of way. And it was when people would come in to take stuff out on APRO. I'm going to take three dresses because I can't decide which one I'm going to yeah, wear to apro, the wedding. Yeah. I'm going to take it home and match it with the hat and the mm. shoes. And so I'll have the three, three dresses and then I'll bring back the two mm. that I you don't You understand use. that term yeah. on APRO? I did not, it, it was but I, I get I used to work. I, I used to work uh, behind a counter yeah. in a clothes shop in my school days because uh, we had a shop and what they do is so you take out you, three you and want then you two suits you want two yeah. suits the idea is you will buy one of them yeah. but you'll return the yeah. one you that's what that I'm that I thought you were just the thing where you buy the dress wear it to the wedding tuck the tag uh, in and return okay, that's, it that's the story that's what I'm going to tell Whoops, my mother sorry. would then walk to the back of the, st of the church oh. where the wedding was with her notebook knowing which ones had been taken out and she'd say oh I'm glad you chose the green one and I'm glad she'd wait to see them all coming out yeah. there I'm glad you chose the red. It's lovely on you. In other words, don't you dare come back with that. Good for my your mom. Tomorrow. That's hilarious. And that was my mother. And I just thought, you know, that 
a principle if it was to be carried across to other areas of business where you just catch people and to go back to the swearing area, don't f*** with them. You know, yes. don't. Mm. I know, I know. I feel your mom's a Only riot. in a thigh is what I <laughs> can say to that in terms of the police coming around checking what you're wearing at weddings. It's like yeah. the IRS so, but, 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 but what do you think is a reasonable... And this... this question of collusion by the association and that's and, nonsense and oh, that, that so? is i think where the law is an ass that's a, a prime example of the law being a ginish a, a okay. big ass mm. so and no, what do you think would be a reasonable deduction to make for 25 ahead Okay. 25 okay. ahead. If you're coming to the restaurant, 25 ahead, because that's going to be the profit margin on your food, and that's what you should be prepared to lose. All right. Let's move on to our next topic, which I, I certainly have a double take on. Uh, former England captain David Beckham, with, uh, of course, Posh Spice, who's no longer a spice. David Beckham, anyway, received criticism for posting a picture of himself and his seven-year-old daughter, Harper, sharing a daddy-daughter kiss. Now, it wasn't a kiss on the forehead, a peck on the cheek. It wasn't a warm embrace. It was on the lips. Why would you kiss your daughter on the lips? It's disgusting. Very weird, said one comment in response to his post. So, what do you think, Maria? You know, I actually don't think this is weird at all. Like, I think, like, it's a father-daughter like, who cares? Um, actually, I've seen a number of celebrities um, jump on the bandwagon of, I do, my kids, why is this such an issue? It's like people jumped on that ne negative bandwagon because you have someone within the public world, like a celebrity like David Beckham, um, and everybody, I think, is just gone to this space where opinion is the most important and most rich-filled well, well, thing sorry. you can give. Is it inappropriate? Because as the inference is that a kiss on the lips is more intimate and, you know, maybe more of a relationship-type kiss. But, but look than at the picture. Look at the picture. It's clearly, it's clearly a pucker-up kiss. It's not oh, a kiss. Slip it's of the clearly tongue. a pucker-up, mm, oh, and it's a right. play kiss. Oh, it's a play it, kiss. Right. If you look at the picture, it's a play kiss between a daddy and a little girl. Right. It's like the play kiss that, you know, and then the prince said to Snow White, you know, whatever, mm. pucker-up, mm, and mm. it's that kind of kiss. Mm. So it's not a kiss. I don't understand where I'm conflicted right on this because I have this thing that I meet quite a lot of people and I would know them well and it could be family or not could be my mother could be someone I know could be Nora Owen or someone I'd know for years and so on and I would actually kiss them just on the upper I would lean over to the side and kiss them in the upper part of the cheek as an affectionate way younger people I tend just to put one arm around <laughs> and go sideways as it were and I'm pretty you're so hip no 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 I'm <laughs> so gauche what about I'm your daughters no but no this is the point yeah. this is the point that there are a couple of people I think of, and I'll, I'll, I'll be specific. One is my daughter, that when I go to almost do it at the side, she kisses me on the lips. And I'm, um, mm. you know, I like... Makes you uncomfortable? It, no, 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 no I, 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 it's absolutely natural for her, but it's not of my doing. And there's a few people like that. So I maybe think to myself, I've got this wrong, Ivan, that, you know, steering myself around and sort of darting in on the, the right-hand cheek is not the way to go. Well, there's levels of comfort that people are, are comfortable with. And I, I think it's fine that your daughter kisses you on the lips. I don't think there's anything untoward about that. In fact, if she's deliberately doing it because she knows it makes you uncomfortable, 
people, then I no, love no, it. No, no, she's oh, I, no. Oh, okay, rats. No, 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 All right. I don't know. Here's here's the thing about this. I think that uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think that it's a it's a storm for no reason. Okay. Here's the other thing, though. And what I want to get into about this, all the people, yes. like the people that don't get paid for their opinions, who have strong opinions about this, you got to remember David Beckham is a sportsman. And sports is the last bastion of people having nice tribal instincts and rooting for people for one reason and against people for another reason. I'm going somewhere with this. There's a, the, the New England Patriots quarterback, Tom Brady. Very successful quarterback. Very successful team. Yep. Uh, won Pats. a lot of Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah. Are you a Let, Pats fan? Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's where I'm going with this. I hate Pats fans. <laughs> I can't stand them. People from Boston cheering for their teams are the most annoying people on earth. Now, two years ago, Tom Brady released a documentary about him and his family life and what he does in the offseason. There was a scene where he was laying down and his, and his son got up to leave and, he, and Tom goes, well, look, I, before you leave, I get a kiss. And his son comes over, plants one on his mouth and leaves. Again, pucker up kiss. Yep. Intimate thing with the dad and his kid. There's nothing wrong with that unless I'm talking to a Pats fan, <laughs> in which case it's disgusting and Tom Brady's a pervert. Because you're a Redskins because, supporter. Because I'm against the Patriots, absolutely. It, now so, that I think of it, I remember watching Wogan one night at chat show, and Michael Heseltine was a big Tory minister at the time, and his son came on the program, and they kissed on the lips, and people remarked about it, and he said, we do it all the time. So um, the point I'm making is, there is no right or wrong. You know, people do it absolutely yeah. not Personal as an intimacy, thing. just as a kind of routine thing. Like, I would kiss my, my mum and dad on, on the cheek if, yeah. you know, if I was coming in or coming, like coming in and out of the house and hadn't seen them in a few days. Um, yeah, I'm probably a little bit too old to probably kiss them on, uh, on the mouth, but My father was a lips man. My mother was a cheek person. My mother did the cheek. My father did the lips. Would he? So, yeah, but it's yes. all fine. Oh, okay. well, so however it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know... Well, what do you do? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end. <laughs> I'll, I'll kiss you where you've, where you've washed. <laughs> beep, beep. Right, I'll move swiftly on for that. Uh, now we want to talk about uh, the good news, I suppose. Well, of course, it's a disastrous economic news that people are living for forever. Because you know what? Over 90 or so, they don't earn a lot of money, and we've all got to pay them, and the ratio of retirees uh, to workers is rapidly changing. Irish people live longer than ever, a new report reveals on life expectancy. We're ahead of the EU average, which is 81 0.5 years. The EU study called Health at a Glance also says Ireland is the highest proportion of people who stay in good health. The steady increase of life expectancy has slowed considerably, but this led to the remarkable conclusion that you're actually at your peak at 68 years, which led me to have two old ones on the programme, Mary O'Rourke and Alice Leahy, and I said to them, Hold on a second. I'm 59. I honestly think I was at my peak of cutting out my novice mistakes, but still full of energy at 39, late 30s, early 40s, was that sweet spot of optimal energy and experience. And you know what they turned around and said to me? In all fairness, they are, I hope they're listening, deluded, in denial. <laughs> they said they were at their peak right now, and they're both in their 70s. Like, let's tell the truth here. <laughs> when are you at your peak? Is it 68? Like, I can accept that you might be contented at 68. Your kids are reared, your mortgage is paid, you're still alive. You don't have to go to get up at 7 o'clock and go to work. I can understand contentment, but I don't accept peakier powers, Maria. Well, as you mentioned earlier on, I'm thinking about getting into politics. So I, my friends currently think I'm going through a midlife crisis, and I'm 31. Um, 
Uh, I think 68, you know, I think of my parents. My mum just turned 60 something or other. I shouldn't say her age on, on national radio. <laughs> uh, and my dad's. What's her name is? Mrs. Walsh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my dad's a little bit older, and I would hope that they would. You know, kids are reared and mortgages are paid and all that life adulting is all done and, and then they can enjoy themselves. You know, I, 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 for, since Rose, I do a lot of community engagements and a lot are with senior citizens and they're absolutely rocking and have this great wisdom and, and it's all around giving back into the community. And I think if they're fit and mentally well and, um, and doing so many good things for themselves in the community, then c'est la vie and I think that's But great. do you not think that there is a delusional factor that you're at your peak at 68? I don't know, I have a few years yet to get... Do you think at That's 68 you're... Nonsense, you're nonsense. Can you, can you notice a decline oh, in your totally. own abilities oh, in the totally. last Because I, mean, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> no, 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 I, no, no, I, I, I'd be quiet. There are days I that I am that literally, <laughs> literally exhausted, whereas doing the same amount of work mm -hmm. 20 years ago wouldn't have taken but a But are you active? Are you uh, fit and active? Are you being kind to yourself? Well, are, you, are you volunteering? Well, then you need a work-life balance, and then at uh, 68 you'd be rocking. Did you see them roll no, his eyes? <laughs> work-life yeah. balance. For me, it all comes For me, it all comes What age are you, Bill? I'm 63. Okay. Really? I'm 63. I know. You're I moisturise, Jim. I moisturise. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if <laughs> I do believe that if you're fit in mind and body, then it doesn't matter what age. But if you're if you've lost one or other or both, then I think it does matter. And I know personally, I don't want to be here because I've experienced what it's like to be incapacitated for a long period, and my recovery was uh, quite incredible. That I have recovered to the level I have. But if I found that I was slipping back into anything approximating what I was in before, I wouldn't want to be here. And I really would not want to be here, and I mean that in everything that that sounds like, because I don't think quality of life is yours if you're not completely and, and, and able to enjoy it. And disability is is a key element of that to, yeah. be, to have your health and strength. And oh all yeah. That. But, but being honest, mm. sixty three, looking back, when did you think you know Bill was really sucking diesel? Early forties. Yeah. Early yeah, 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I and what do you say to people who say, oh, you know, this kind of thing, right now, I have never felt fitter and I'm in my mid-60s or 70s? Well, that's great for them. Because but do you believe it? Is it not positivity them, gone I'll crazy? I'll be looking at them and I'll say, you see, if you go to Japan and you walk or you go to somewhere in the Far East and people are out doing Tai Chi in the middle and they're 90 and they're able to stretch their body into unnatural positions that I'd be thrilled to be able to do now, that I think, wow, that okay. is a quality of life. Well, but that's not how we're programmed mm. in this little uh, mud pock off the side of Europe. You know, that's Well, at we 63, we will allow you to go have a lie down now because <laughs> that completes our final furlong for this week. My sincere thanks to comedian Jim Elliott, uh, Bill Hughes, you just heard Mind the Gap Productions, and putative TD, no less, former Rosa Tralee, Maria Walsh. Thank you all for being my guests. And that's your lot from the hard shoulder for this week. My thanks to the production team, Mark Simpson, Ashling Moore, Dan Flanagan, Kira Courtney and Steve Daunt. Off the Ball is up next. I want to thank my colleagues Paul here for organising the outside broadcast with Sifra and all the gang. I'll be back on Monday with more from the hard shoulder at four. Have a great weekend.